Okay, so story of Joseph, I like to think of three things to kind of help me remember what's going on in the story, really quick to go through it. They rhyme, one, Joseph dreaming, two, brothers scheming, and three, Jacob esteeming. So what that means is Jacob is esteeming. He is the father of many sons. He plays favorites. He's like, I like Joseph the best. I'm going to put a colorful coat on him. All the rest of you boys can work in the field. Joseph, you can be like my little, like, walk around with a clipboard boy and, like, go on the field and be like, all right, brothers, are you doing your job? That's who Joseph was. He was the guy who checked up on his brothers. So Jacob is esteeming, putting Joseph higher above his brothers. Then Joseph is dreaming. Joseph is honestly kind of being a punk. Can you imagine if, like, your little brother or sister walked up and they were like, hey, listen, I have this vision from the Lord. It's amazing. One day you're going to bow before me, and I'll be, like, exalted above you. It's going to be, like, you'd be like, psh, psh, psh. like, you would smack your little brother and sister. You'd be like, you are the worst. That's never going to happen. Uh, Joseph is dreaming, and the brothers are scheming. They're like, hey, I hate my brother. Yeah, me too. But then, like, the biggest overreaction of all time, let's straight up kill that jerk. Like, that's kind of an overreaction if you have like siblings and you're like man I don't like them if, if your other sibling comes to you you're like yeah let's straight up murder them you're like uh calling 911 like this like they're like pulling out their knives like I've been sharpening this all day it, it'd be weird it'd be strange um but it happened straight up like worst overreaction of all time Joseph's brothers plot to kill him uh you've got um, one of the brothers stepping up, Reuben, saying basically, hey, guys, come on, settle down. We can't kill our brother, obviously. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's right, man. That was a close call. We almost stabbed him. And then Reuben's like, let's just throw him in a pit and sell him to Egyptian slave traders. Yay, worst brothers ever. So they sell uh, Joseph. Joseph goes through some terrible, terrible things. Um, and I'm just blazing through this story because I want to get to the part about the brothers tonight. But basically, he gets thrown in this pit, like sold into a foreign land. Imagine, imagine, you guys in the back row, imagine that if you had siblings who were like, hey, I'm going to sell you to Afghanistan. Like, and you wake up and you're in this Afghanistani prison. And here's the worst part for Joseph. If you wanted to become a slave, well, no one wants to be. I want to become a slave in Egypt. How does that work? I don't know. Joseph doesn't want to become a slave. He becomes a slave. They're like, hey, Joseph, we got to wax all that hair off your body. Like every single inch of hair off this dude's body, just off. Bad news for Joseph. Like just think about the implications, like back hair, nose hair, eyebrows. Like he was a bald, he looked like Voldemort. He was a freak, like every inch of this dude. So, I mean, that'd be one thing. I think that would, that's what would do it for me. If my sister sold me into slavery, I'd be like, well, this is pretty bad. And then if I got every inch of hair waxed off my body, I'd be like, I am never forgiving them. Like this is the worst thing that has ever happened to anyone. He goes to Potiphar's house. He's, he's like, you know what? This isn't going to keep me down. Like, I serve the Lord. I know God's got a plan for me. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to be the best slave around. He gets promoted. He's like, hey, uh, Joseph, you can be the head slave. Awesome. Always wanted to be head slave. He ends up becoming head slave. And, um, you know, for his reward, what does he get? No medal? No. The boss's wife comes up and says, hey, Joseph, sleep with me. Like, super subtle. Just comes up and just, like, just throws it out there. Like, I want to sleep with you. Okay, this is weird. He runs away. What happens? He gets accused of rape. He gets accused of doing something he didn't do. 
Next thing you know, he's in jail. He's in jail. He tried to do his best. He tried to make, he tried, life gave him lemons. He tried to make lemonade. He's like, I'm, gonna, I'm a slave. All my body hair got waxed off. This is the worst. But I'm going to try to be the best slave ever. Now he's in jail because he got accused of rape. That is like, that, that is even worse than the body hair being waxed off. This is really, really bad for Joseph. He's in jail. Instead of complaining, instead of whining, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to follow God. <laughs> I'm just going to be the best prisoner around. So he becomes the best prisoner. He's like praying for people. He's helping people in the jail. All of a sudden, people start coming to him and they're like, Joseph, tell us what my dream means. And Joseph tells him, he's like, your dream means this, your dream means that. There's a couple guys, uh, a wine tester and a baker who come up and they have these crazy dreams. And Joseph listens to him and he says to the baker, yeah, your dream means you're going to die. And the baker's like, thanks, man. And he goes and he dies. Um, but I'm, you can tell I'm like really just speeding through all this stuff. Um, the wine barrow, though, his dream comes true. It was, it's magical. His dream comes true. And like rainbows. And uh, he, he's like, hey, come work for the pharaoh. So Joseph goes to work for the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh's like, I've got a gnarly dream. Joseph interprets his dream. That dream comes true. Next thing you know, just fast forward on this, Joseph is like vice president of Egypt. Like, that just escalated very quickly, not to Joseph. For him, it was just 20 hard years of labor. And, but for us, it went very quickly. Um, Joseph went from, you know, annoying little brother. Brothers try to kill him. Now he's vice president of Egypt, and he is making plans. Uh, Egypt goes through a famine, a really, really tough, hard famine. And Pharaoh says, hey, Joseph, you obviously have like God's mark on your life. Can you please help us find a way out of this famine? So Joseph gets all administrative and he starts planning like this way to save the Egyptian world from the famine. So he becomes like this, this governor, vice Pharaoh, and people are coming to him and they're asking him for food. And he's figured out this whole system of how to get food to the people. Joseph is in a good place. His dream has come true. He is now like people are bowing down to him, and he's in a good place. But let's just forget about Joseph and go to the brothers, because that's where our focus is going to stay uh, for tonight. So I'm going to paraphrase. I read through the Bible. I literally read through all the verses, and I like rewrote the story in modern language. So this is all straight Bible, straight from the Bible. Nothing is really added as far as content. Like everything I'm saying actually happens in the Bible. This is what happens. So it's been like years. Okay. Remember what happened. The brothers come to their dad and they say, hey, dad, this bloody coat belonged to Joseph. It's dripping with the blood of an animal. And Jacob, the father, now for like 20-something years, has thought that his one and only, like, well, actually, he had like 13, but his favorite, the, the kid he played favorites with, his baby, Joseph, he believes is dead, like maimed by a horrible animal. Like, for 20 years, this father has had to live with grief. So, things are not good in Joseph's home. Joseph's dad says to the boys, the 12 brothers left behind, he says, quit standing around. Go get some grain. We're going to die. So they go. The 12 brothers, now 11, because they leave baby Benjamin behind. There's a new baby in the land. There was Joseph. After Joseph died, one more kid was born, Benjamin. The 11 brothers travel to Egypt. There they show up to see the governor. Who's the governor? 
Joseph. So they show up to see Joseph. Joseph sees his brothers coming. He's like, oh, shoot. My brothers are here. This was unexpected. What he does is he pretends to be a stranger. And, I mean, they can't tell it's him. He's, he's completely bald, no eyebrows. He's like 20 years older. They don't even recognize him. So he pretends to be a stranger. He starts using an interpreter. He can speak Hebrew. They don't know that. The brothers show up and they start talking to Joseph. He's pretending he only speaks Egyptian. So Joseph says to the brothers, why are you here? And the brothers say, we've come from Canaan to buy food. And Joseph says, you are spies. And he says it in Egyptian. And then the interpreter says it in Hebrew. And they say, no, 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 dude. We are just some hungry brothers. We are just a bunch of hungry brothers. And Joseph says, you are spies. Give me details. And the brothers say, uh, we come from a big family of 12 brothers, all who come from the same dad. This is literally what they say in the Bible. They're like, we come from a big family of 12 brothers, and we all have the same dad. I don't know why they gave that detail. Um, so Joseph says, 12 brothers, I see only 10. And then they say, yes, one brother is with our father. The other brother is dead. So they're talking about Joseph, who they think is dead. He's standing right in front of them, and baby Benjamin. So Joseph says, okay, but you're all spies, and you're going to go to jail, every single one of you. And they start freaking out. They're like, oh, we're going to go to jail. We didn't do anything wrong. What's going on? And then Joseph says, you know what? I've got a better plan. Keep one brother in jail. The rest of you go home and get that baby Benjamin brother of yours and prove that he's real. And then I'll let your brother live. So they talk to one another. The brothers are talking to one another. And Simeon, the brother, says, God is punishing us for what we did to Joseph. He was begging for his life, and now we are begging for our lives. Then Reuben says, I told you guys not to kill him. Now God is putting his blood on our hands. Then Joseph stands there and goes, they don't know I speak Hebrew. <laughs> I like to imagine he did an evil laugh. Sorry. Then... Joseph, like, leaves, the Bible says, and he starts weeping. He's just like, they don't know. Ah! And he, like, just goes in the corner and cries, and he's got Egyptian makeup, so, like, his mascara is just, like, running down his face, and everyone's like, what's wrong with the governor? This is weird. And he comes back, and he says, seize him. And so the guards grab Simeon and drag him off to jail, and after they leave, Joseph says to his servants, he says, those guys came for grain. Fill up their bags with grain. Give them back the money they paid me and give them food and clothes for the trip. The servants are like, aren't these guys like spies and terrorists? And Joseph's like, just do it because I'm the governor. I said so. So they put the money in his bag. They put uh, the grain in the bag. They paid Joseph. They take the money. They put it back in the guy's bags. So they're traveling, and it's like the... Like, read the story. Like, read it word for word sometime. Like, when you go home, read it. This story is amazing. I'm just paraphrasing everything. But they're going through, and they open up the bags. I don't know which brother it was. Maybe Dan. That's one of the brothers. His name was Dan. I just assume it was Dan. Dan opens up the bag, and he looks, and he's like, silver? Why do I have silver in my bag? And everyone, like, starts opening their bag, and they're like, there's silver in our bags. Oh, my gosh, we're so dead. We're going to die. Why is God doing this to us? And God's probably like, because you tried to kill your brother, suckers. Uh, then 
They go home to their dad, and this is literally what they say to their dad, like, in modern vernacular. But this is what they said. They're like, it's, it's a really funny verse. I wish I had it on the screen. But this is, this is basically what they said. They say, Dad, Dad, the governor was so mean to us, and he treated us like spies. We're not spies. It hurts our feelings when you say we're spies. And now he wants baby Benjamin. And Jacob's like, no. First Joseph dies, then Simeon gets locked up, and now baby Benjamin? And then Reuben, okay, this is a verse. Please look in your Bibles. I have, you have to just read this verse for yourself. This is amazing. Uh, this is verse, uh, Genesis 43, verse 37. Reuben says, no problem, Dad. You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care and I'll bring him back. Because nothing makes losing your son better than getting to kill your own grandkids afterwards. Like, that's, like, what on earth, Reuben? <laughs> yeah, just kill your grandkids. If I don't bring Joseph back, you can totally just kill your grandsons. It'll be awesome. Like, Reuben is the worst. Okay, so, um, after they had used up all their food, Jacob says, go back and get more food from Egypt or we're going to die, you stupid brothers. Not even my favorites. Gosh. So then Judah says, Joseph, or not, he doesn't know it's Joseph. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, the governor. He says, the governor won't help us unless we bring back our little brother, baby Benjamin. We need to take Ben. So Jacob says, why did you tell him that we had a little brother? And Judah was like, he interrogated us. He was asking a ton of weird questions like, is your dad still alive? And do you have any other brothers? That's a weird question for a stranger to ask. But for Joseph, he's obviously interested in what's going on in the family. So Judah says, send the boy with me. I will take full responsibility. If anything happens to him, it'll be my fault. Judah, now I want you, I want you to see this, okay? This is one of the key points, and we'll, we'll get on this later. But Judah is actually, for once, taking some responsibility. Judah is the head brother. It's, it's Judah and then Reuben. Those guys are like the, the two older brothers. And back when all the brothers ganged up on Joseph, those guys just stood by. Judah let it happen. He, he was totally fine with his baby brother getting killed. Reuben steps in and says, hey, let's just sell him into slavery. And Judah's like, that's a great idea. And then instead of going to their dad and saying, hey, we killed Joseph, they hide it and they cover it up. How many of you guys have ever, like, hid a sin for a long time? I have. Anybody else want to? Yeah. It's rough. Like 20-something years of pretending that your brother was killed by, like, a ram. That is, that's sketchy. That's crazy. That's a load of guilt on someone's conscience. So, like, just, like, like watching your dad just deteriorate and just his heart breaks. Every year on Joseph's birthday, Jacob's just like, like withering into an old man, just crushed by grief. And the brothers are just watching over and over again this happen. And finally, Judah starts to take some responsibility. He says, listen, send the boy with me. I will take full responsibility if anything happens to him. It'll be my fault. So Jacob says, okay. Load up with gifts and presents. Bring back all the money. Don't let Ben die or I will die, is what Father Jacob says. And they load up with presents. It's weird. It's like avocados and like date nuts. That's like, it's the Bible says. It's like, yeah, let's just take a bunch of avocados and date nuts to the Pharaoh. He'll love it. Okay. I'm sure he has plenty of that stuff in Egypt, but whatever. So they arrive. The, the brothers travel. They show up at Joseph, the governor's doorstep. 
Joseph meets them, and he sees baby Benjamin. Little Benjamin. Little Benjamin. He's, he's not like a baby. I just like saying baby Benjamin. He's probably like 14 years old or something. He's not like an infant. That'd be weird. Uh, but no, he's like 14 or something. He sees little Benjamin, and he says, he says, they're like, they, they come up. They come up, and like Joseph's like standing there, and he's like, <sighs> all Egyptian and like shaved and freaky. He's just like, ah. And they come up, they're like, and Joseph's like, take these men, bring them inside, and kill the fattest cow we have, because we're having a party. That's literally like what the Bible says. It's crazy. He says, we were having lunch at noon. Yes, we're having lunch at noon. So, and the servants are like, aren't these guys like terrorists? And Joseph's like, just do it. I am the governor. Okay. So the brothers are freaked out because they're going to the governor's house. They're like, oh, my gosh, he's going to kill us. Oh, this is crazy. And they're thinking, oh, shoot, they brought us here because they thought we stole money. They're going to kill us. And, and they go to the staff. They go to, like, the Egyptian staff who can speak Hebrew uh, and, and Egyptian and translate. And they go up to the staff, and, and I, I imagine it's probably Reuben or Judah. But they're like, oh, my gosh, listen, guys, we are so sorry. We just came here for some food. Uh, for some reason, there was extra silver in our bags. We are so sorry. And the staff guy says, in the Bible, it, this is from the Bible, the staff guy says, no problem, don't worry, your God has blessed you. They're like, your, your God? You believe in our God, Jehovah? I thought you guys had like Ra and Ashtara and Baal. And like, okay, cool. They're referencing our God. Weird. So they take him to Joseph's house. Joseph starts asking questions. He's like, so, is your dad still alive? And they're like, you asked us that He's like, yeah, is, he, is your dad still alive? And it's really important to me to know that your dad is still alive. <laughs> They're like, okay, that's weird, stranger. Um, and then they, he looks at Benjamin, and he goes, is this, is this baby Benjamin? Is this little Benjamin? <laughs> He's like going up. Can you imagine like being Benjamin? You're like the youngest in the family, this weird, creepy governor, this bald freak. He's like, is this the baby in the family? <sighs> like just so weird, so weird. And then after he finds out, that it was baby Benjamin, he goes to his room and he cries. <laughs> he just, like, he comes out, he's like, Aah! and, like, everyone in the house is, can, like, hear the pharaoh crying, and he comes out, he's got, like, just mascara, Egyptian mascara all over his face. Look at uh, chapter 43, verse 31. It says, after he had washed his face, so you know that makeup was just running all over. Ladies, you can relate to Joseph here. You know, you know it. He, he, just, he, he had a good cry. Ben and Jerry's in his hand. He, he, he went for it. Um, <laughs> after he had washed his face, he came out and he comp composing himself, controlling himself. He's like, serve the food. <laughs> Such a weird story. And it's the weirdest dinner ever. This is the weirdest dinner in the Bible. This is, I cannot think of a weirder dinner in the Bible. Okay, listen. Three tables, okay? Table one, table two, and table three. Let me explain the tables. Back then, the Egyptian royalty, the pharaoh and the vice pharaoh, they were not allowed to eat with the servants because the servants were common folk. And they weren't allowed to eat with Jews because the Jews were like just dirty, like they were super racist towards the Jews. So 
Joseph gets his own table all by himself over here. Then the servants get their table right here, but they're not allowed to eat with the, the Israelites because for an Egyptian, even a servant to eat with an Israelite, it was totally just like beyond that culture. So the, is the, you have Joseph here by himself, the servants here by themselves, and then the brothers are all seated over here by themselves. So Joseph's like, let's have a dinner party and all sit at like different tables and don't talk to each other. Uh, then the brothers get freaked out because they seat them at the table in order of their age. <laughs> Like, can you imagine, like, if you had 12 brothers, and you show up, and people don't know you, and, like, somehow they know, like, who's the old, they're like, okay, you, well, you sit here, you sit here, you sit here, you sit here, and somehow they manage to guess everybody's age. The brothers are looking around, they're like, this is weird, how do they know which, like, this is strange, this is strange. Then, then, Benjamin sits down at the end, he's the youngest, and they're given the food, and they're like, all right, I don't know what they would eat, steak sheep sheep uh egyptian food what's an egyptian food anybody i don't know i'm just gonna say like lamb kebabs okay so they're sitting there at the table and they bring out like these 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 lamb steaks i don't know if that's a thing they bring out these giant just slabs of lamb and they're like here's one for you reuben here's one for you judah here's one for you dan and they're going down the line and they're like oh benjamin here's like 10 for you and they just give Benjamin this huge, huge plate of lamb. Just, just weird. Like, they're like, Joseph is the weirdest. Again, they don't know it's Joseph. Egyptian pharaoh dude is the weirdest host we have ever been a part of. Like, he's, he knows our ages, and, and Benjamin gets like 10. It says he got five more times his food as the others, five times as more as the others. So he's sitting there with this huge plate piled up, and Joseph is just sitting there, and he's just like, he's just watching them. He's like, <laughs> he's just like, yes, eat, eat good. Like he's just, he's watching, and they're looking over, and Joseph's just like, yes. Uh, it's so creepy. And, and, and you know what? Joseph is watching for a specific reason. He remembers what it was like back in the day when he was a kid at the dinner table. He remembers when dad used to come and give him a second helping of lamb, and the other brothers would look at Joseph and go, you dirtbag, you rotten jerk. Oh, I hate him. Let's, let's kill him later today. Like, Joseph remembers those days. And so he's sitting there, and he's watching. He wasn't doing it as creepy as I said. He's just, he's watching because he wants to see how are they going to react when I give Benjamin, the new baby, more food than them? And what he sees is nothing. He sees nothing but love in this family. He looks and he sees things have changed. They're talking to each other. They're smiling. They're all being very protective of Benjamin. And he sees, my brothers have changed. Even though the little baby is getting spoiled like I was, they care about him. They protect him. They love him. Something had changed. So Joseph goes to his servant, and he says, listen, my servant, I have a job for you. I want you to take their sacks and fill it with a ton of food. And then, hey, remember how giving them their money back freaked them out? Do it again. The servant's just like, what? Then he says, oh, this is the best. Okay, servant, you know my royal drinking cup, my special silver sippy cup? Take that and put it in baby Benjamin's sack. 
And the servant says, it is so weird working for you. You were like the world's worst boss. <laughs> Why are you making me do this? And Joseph's like, just do it. I'm the governor. So in the morning, the brothers leave. So they go. And Joseph's like waving. And he's like, thank you for coming. It's so good to see you. Have a good trip. And as soon as the brothers get like without or out of eyesight, Joseph turns to his servants and he says, servants. And they go, yeah. Joseph says, you know those guys I told you to treat really nicely? And they go, yeah. And Joseph says, go attack them. Seize them. They've stolen my silver and my special cup. And the servants are like, you told us to put them. He's like, just do it. So they go. This is the weirdest. I love it. It's like one of the best. So they, they catch the brothers. They ride up to him. And they, they get him and they round him up. And they say to the brothers, why did you take the cup? Everyone's like, what cup? Like, who takes a cup? Like, we have cups back in Israel. Like, what? No one took a cup. And then Reuben, and this is straight out of the Bible, Reuben opens up his big fat mouth and he says, hey, uh, listen, if uh, one of us has the cup, that guy, <laughs> he should die and we'll all become your slaves. This is before they've had a chance to like even look in the bags. Remember, like two times before this, like mysterious things have shown up in their bags. Reuben's an idiot. So he's like, hey, open up the bags. If there's a cup, we'll kill that guy. We'll all become your slaves. So they go through the bags and they search them, oldest to youngest. They get to Benjamin's bag. They open it up. There's the cup. And everyone's mind is just blown. Like, they don't have anything to say. They're just like, we're dead. I think Simeon's, like, still in jail at this point. So <laughs> they, like, forgot about him. Uh, they're just like, we're all going to die. Like, this is the worst thing. Now, this is, this is the close of the story, and then we're going to get into some application. They get dragged back to the palace. They get thrown down at Joseph's feet. And Joseph says, why did you take my cup, my silver chalice from my palace, the chalice from the palace? Why did you take it? And Judah, this is what Judah says. This is key. Judah says, he's down on his knees, and he looks at Joseph, and he goes, what can we say? How can we prove we're innocent? God has uncovered our guilt. We will all be your slaves. This is a really simple point tonight. The point I'm trying to make is that a lot of times when you mess up or when I mess up, there's something in us, and I have to fight this every day of my life. There's something in us that does not want to own up to our mistakes. There's something in us that just wants to take our mistake and sweep it under the rug and forget get about it. Like, we don't want to face our own darkness. And every single one of us has darkness inside of us. Every single one of us has anger. We all have disrespect, deceptiveness, pride, envy, lust. We all have things inside of our hearts, bitterness, jealousy. We all have these things in our heart. They're part of our sin nature. 
And I don't know about you, but when I mess up, the last thing I want to do is sit around and think about how I messed up. I want to forget about it. I want to get it as far out of my mind as possible and just go, well, that's over. I don't want to think about that. You know what I want to think about? All the good things I've done. I want to sit around and think, I did that, and I did that, and I did that. You know, I'm not so bad a guy. I'm actually pretty darn good. That's what I want, but that's not the truth. The truth is that no one is good but God. The truth is that I am a sinner, and so are you. And the truth is, no, I was talking to a kid about this today, and they were like, I haven't done anything that bad. And I was like, do you know that one sin is enough to separate you from God for eternity? Do you know a little white lie is enough to completely cut you off from God? Do you know that in God's eyes, God says if you, Jesus said this when he taught his Sermon on the Mount. He says, if you look at someone and you're just angry at them, that's as bad as killing them. Jesus says if you look at someone and you lust after them, that's as bad as sleeping with them, is what Jesus says. Jesus is saying the things you think are small, tiny sins are actually a big, big deal to God. So how can we possibly be saved? Well, we'll get to that. But the point, the point is we don't like to own our mistakes. And Judah has spent 20 years of trying to just forget. Can you imagine Judah, the head brother, and he just has to live with this? What seemed like a great idea at the time, kill Joseph. No, 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 sell him into slavery. And now he's seen the effects. He's seen the lies just eat his conscience away for 20 years. He's seen his dad become a weak shell of a man that he used to be from just the pain and the fear and the regret. He sees his brothers just completely consumed by their own guilt every day, like a giant backpack full of boulders carrying around on their back, this guilt. But year after year, it's just, I I don't want to think about that. It's over. It's in the past. I'm not going to bring it back up. I'm not going to just year after year, and now he's staring in the face of the person that he hurt, not knowing who it is. But he, listen to what he says. Remember, he didn't take the cup, but this is what he says. This is from the Bible. He says, what can we say? How can we prove we're innocent? God has uncovered our guilt. We will all be your slaves. He's finally taking responsibility he didn't take that cup, but he knows what he did. And he said, you know what? This is, we deserve this because we have done wrong, and God is finally uncovering it, and now we're paying the price. That's what he's saying to the vice pharaoh, who he doesn't know is his own brother. Then Joseph speaks up, and Joseph says, no, only the guy with the cup, only Benjamin. This is a test. It's one last test from Joseph. Listen to what Judah says, head of the family, man of the house. He's finally not making excuses. He's finally not trying to pass the blame. He's finally stepping up. Judah says, listen, I can't do that. We've already lost one brother. We won't abandon Benjamin. If we come back without him, our dad will die of a broken heart. Take me instead. Take all of us. Let the boy go. Let Benjamin go. And Joseph says, everyone leave. They're all like, oh. And they walk away and they go out the door. Joseph says, shut the doors. And everyone shuts the doors. And then the Bible says Joseph started crying like a baby so loud that everyone in the entire palace heard his wails. He is just just weeping, just tears. He cries a lot in this story, but he's just like, this is the most he's ever cried. He's like, just 
like everything is coming out like projectile tears are shooting out of his face and hitting people like bullets like he is just he is pouring it all out on the ground this is just this is like years of pent up just 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 like I mean think about it he's going back to that moment where he's thrown in that pit and he's looking up into the eyes of his brothers and they're laughing at him they look angry and in his eyes he's just like why what did I do why And he sees his brothers, the people he thought at least loved him a little bit. He knew that he got on their nerves, but he never thought they would do this. And as he's in the pit, as he's getting sold into slavery, and he looks back and he sees his brothers just laughing. You know what that could have turned into? That could have turned into bitterness. That could have have turned into bitterness that would have stayed in Joseph's heart for years and destroyed him. Because it's not just your sin that destroys you. Sometimes it's the sin of what's been done to you. Sometimes it's what someone has done to you that if you don't let that go and forgive, it stays in your heart for years and years and destroys you and eats you from the inside. That Joseph could have become a much different person. And if, if he hadn't just chosen from the start to say, I forgive and I forget, because if, if he didn't do that, he would not have had the strength as a slave, to go, I'm going to do my best for the Lord as a slave. He wouldn't have the strength to be, as a prisoner, I'm going to do my best for the Lord as a prisoner. He would have not had that strength. You know what? He just would have been consumed by his bitterness. He probably would have ended up as a slave, just like not doing a good job, just being super angry. I hate my brothers. I hate my brothers. Just distracted by his own guilt, and, or not guilt, his own just pain. He probably would have been thrown in jail for being a bad slave, and then he would have just rotted there forever and ever, just chained to a wall, growing out a big beard, just just nasty and rotten, just, I hate my brothers, I hate my brothers, I hate my brothers. But it was his forgiveness that set him free. It was his forgiveness that set him free and allowed him to rise up to where God had for him. And you can't let bitterness And unforgiveness tie you down. You can't let what was done to you keep you down. You have to rise up above it and forgive because the only person who can ever give you the strength to that is Jesus because he's the ultimate forgiver. Not only has he forgiven you for everything you've done, he's forgiven everyone for everything they've done, even those who have hurt you. And once you realize that grace, you'll be able to show others that grace. And Joseph is showing an amazing amount of grace. Remember, he's, he's weeping. He's crying. His brothers are freaked out. And then he, he says, open up the doors. And the brothers are like, and they just look. And this bald Egyptian man is just like just tears and mascara just streaming down his face. And he's standing there in a puddle of his own tears. And, and he says to the brothers, come closer. And they're like, he's like, no closer and they're just like he's like no no closer and they just they lean in real close and Joseph's like I'm Joseph (laughs) and they're like what no and they just they fall down on their faces and they're like please please don't no like they think they're dead they think this is just an elaborate plan that Joseph has set up to like execute them like guards are gonna run in and just stab them to death with steers and Joseph's like haha I got the last laugh all my dreams came true suckers that's not that's not what happens Joseph doesn't say I hate you he says the words the brothers needed to hear their entire last 20 years which is I forgive you He says, this is a direct quote from the scripture, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me 
ahead of you. Wow. It's incredible. Joseph was hurt. Joseph was wronged. But what he does is he doesn't hold on to that and say, I deserve to be mad. I deserve to be angry. I deserve to get revenge. But instead, he says, God has a plan. God has a plan for me. I'm not going to let bitterness destroy me. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Whether that's being a slave, I'm going to be the best slave. Whether it's being a prisoner, I'm going to be the best prisoner. Whether it's to go to a king of another country and tell him what his dream, I'm going to do that. Because that's what God has called me to do. I forgive my brothers. See, Joseph, for 20 years, had something that his brothers didn't have, and that was freedom. Think about that. Think about that. I didn't even put this in my notes. This is just, I feel like the Lord's speaking to me right now. Joseph is sold into slavery and goes through prison, and yet he was more free than his brothers ever were. It was, their, it was their, their, their sin that held them captives for 20 years. Meanwhile, Joseph is free in the Lord, even though he's a slave and a prisoner. That's incredible. And as low as your situation in life gets, as much as you've been wronged, as much as you've been hurt, if you have forgiveness, you have freedom. It's that song. I'm set free. It is for freedom that I am set free. Jesus wants you to be free. If you're here tonight and you're holding on to bitterness, if you're holding on to unforgiveness, if someone has done something to you and you're just, like, we're talking about sin in this series. There's two things we need to look at. Maybe you're the one who sinned. Maybe you're the Judah or the Reuben. What you need to do with your sin is you need to own up for it, stop hiding it, confess it, get it out there, and go and ask for forgiveness. But if you've been wronged, then you have someone else's sin. What do you do with that? Do you hold it in? Do you obsess over it? I know people who have been hurt. Like 20, Sometimes people come into this church, and they come in for counseling, and what they want to talk about is something that happened to them 20 years ago. He left me. She cheated on me. He abused me. And they want to talk, and it's, it's their identity. Some people let the sin that someone else did to them become their identity when Jesus wants him to be your identity. But I see people who come in, and they just, that's all they have. That's all they know. Just he did, she did, they did. And they won't let it go. They're holding on so tightly to it. Some of you guys have been hurt really bad tonight. Some of you guys haven't been there yet, but something may be coming around the corner. And I hope this message serves as something to prepare your heart because you will face trials on this earth. You will first face persecutions. You will face pain. Jesus says so. But how you respond to that pain, how you respond to that sin, how you respond to it makes all the difference in the world to your life. Your life can be ruined by bitterness. We need to learn to give it to the Lord. I'm going to share one story with you guys, and then we'll be done. And I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again because it's a great story. Uh, it's a story of Corey Ten Boom. She was a girl who lived in Austria. 
She was an awesome girl. She grew up just loving Jesus, loving people. She used to take care of her aunt and her mother when they were sick. She would just stay by their bedside and read Bible stories to them. Tell them how the Lord sing worship songs to them, encourage them. While her friends were all out flirting with boys and trying to get relationships, she was like, you know what? I prayed. God doesn't want me to do that. I'm just going to sit by my, my aunt's bed and read the Bible. Like, we don't have the patience for that nowadays. We, we so need to be entertained and feel like we have a life we need to live. Corey Ten Boom was like, you know what? My life is not mine to live. I'm just going to do what God's called me to do, which is just to sit by this person's bed for days and just read Bibles to them. She ended up at a young age starting a Christian club in her neighborhood of just going to churches, grabbing all the junior high girls. This is like in the 1940s. Grabbing all the junior high girls in the neighborhood and saying, hey, let's just go on walks together and we'll pray. And she started these prayer walks, just walking around town, praying with these girls, showing them how to walk with Jesus. Amazing. When her dad ends up getting too sick, to run his clockmaking shop, Corey Ten Boom ends up saying, Dad, train me to be a clockmaker. She ends up taking up the shop for him. This girl just had, she, she was so selfless. There was not like, I'm going to get mines. I'm going to live the way I want to live. I'm going to do what I want to do. She was just like, whatever you have for me, Lord. She ends up falling in love with a guy, just some guy who she thought would just whisk her away. They'd get married. They'd have like a bunch of kids. He ends up leaving her for another girl, just, just cheating on her, leaving her. Like they were planning on getting married. She's left alone. But instead of getting bitter, instead of just forsaking God and saying, how could you do this to me? She's like, you know what? I'm just going to keep moving on. I'm just going to keep loving God, loving people. She becomes a middle-aged lady. She spent her life just serving God, loving people. War breaks out in Germany, in Austria, in Europe. Hitler is coming after not only people who are black, people who have mental problems, people who are deformed, like anybody he looked at, anybody Hitler looked at and said, they are not perfect like me. They are not perfect specimens. I want to destroy the old, the weak, the sick, and the Jews. And Corrie ten Boom had a hole in her wall, and she had a thought with her sister Betsy. We can hide people from the Germans. So she starts hiding people from the Germans in the hole in her wall. She invites people who are on the run to hide in this hole. It's called the hiding place. And people survive and people escape, but eventually she's caught. And even though she's, a, she's an Austrian citizen, she ends up getting thrown into a concentration camp, which was a camp that was designed to just murder people, a camp that was designed to destroy people. A concentration camp, I've been to some of these before, um, not while well, they were in operation, obviously, but I've been long after. Brooklyn has gone too. Has anyone ever been to a concentration camp? Anyone else ever been uh, to Dachau or Auschwitz? Okay, so I've been to some of these places, and you can see the pictures on the wall of what it looked like, and there, there's this one I'll never forget. It's just a pile like this, like as high as that speaker, of just dead bodies on top of each other. They would kill Jews, and they would just throw them on this pile, and you just walk into this concentration camp, and there would just be like a garbage pile of dead bodies outside. That's how they thought of people. That's how they treated people. And Corrie ten Boom and her sister, they're just, they're going through this camp. They're getting abused. They're getting beaten. They're getting mistreated. They're watching people all around them die. And one day, Corrie ten Boom sees her sister began to just be treated very harshly and, and, and very violently by some German men, some soldiers, some officers in the German army. And they end up just killing her sister 
She sees it happen. She sees her sister's life just taken from her, and it just it crushes her. But she escapes. She ends up being set free from the concentration camp. Her sister Betsy dies, and she becomes just an older woman. But you know what? Her life is not marked by anger and bitterness. It's marked by Jesus. She goes around the world, and she tells people her story. This is my story. This is what happened. But Jesus loved me. Jesus died for me. Jesus saved me. Jesus set me free. And she's talking. One day, she's, she's probably a 60-year-old lady. She's talking, this sweet little lady who's been through so much. And she's sitting there talking, and she's talking about forgiveness. She's saying, no matter what you've done, no matter who you are, God loves you, and he forgives you for what you've done. And a man stands up in the crowd after the sermon, and he comes up and he says, could God forgive me? And she looks, and she looks at the man's face, and she recognizes his face. He was one of the men who killed her sister. And she just sees it, and her, her, she just, everything in her, I, I read her story, and she says, everything in her mind immediately went to hate, hate, hate. And she sees this man just, like, this hate, just, all these years of just pent up, just, just boils up, and she sees him, and she's like, oh, I hate. But then God's spirit speaks to her very strongly and says, my love is stronger. My forgiveness is stronger. No matter what, you are forgiven. You must forgive others the way I've forgiven you. And she looks at the man and she smiles at him. She says, brother, you are forgiven. And she throws her arms around, just gives this man a giant bear hug. So sweet. And it just, I can't believe it, guys. I can't believe how forgiven we are. Don't sit here tonight and think, man, I haven't done that much. We've all done enough to separate us from God, but we've all been forgiven. Jesus did what we can do. He built that bridge, and we can walk over it. And no matter what's been done to you, and no matter what you've done to others, his forgiveness covers it all. So what is your sin, and what do you have to do with it tonight? And we're going to spend some more time worshiping after our small groups. I just want to encourage you, pray. What would God have me do with my sin? And we all have it, and I'm going to pray the same thing. God, what would you have me do with the things people have done to hurt me and the things that I have done to hurt others? What do I do with it? I think we need to give it to the Lord tonight. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you so much for, for your forgiveness. Thank you for this amazing story of Joseph. It's just everything he went through, all these hardships, and yet, God, he was more free than his brothers because he wasn't hiding, because he wasn't sinning, but he lived in the freedom. Even though he was in chains, he lived in the freedom of your forgiveness and your love and your grace. God, I pray that we would be able to forgive those who've hurt us. And God, if we've hurt others tonight, I pray you would help us to bring that sin to you, confess it to you, and ask for help, to ask for forgiveness. We need to go to the people we've hurt and ask for forgiveness. We need to fess up, not just sweep it under the rug. We need to do something with our sin. Our own sin will just eat us alive. God, help these students to bring their sin before you because you're the only one who can deal with it. And Lord, I pray you deal with some sin tonight. We love you, Jesus, and we ask all these things in your name. Amen.